Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Do you want to start? <laughs> ah, you can't do that again. <laughs> uh, hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Blake Harrison. And I'm Stu Whiffin. How you all doing? How you, Blake? I'm, I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm back from Kiev now and uh, I'm doing the whole, uh, uh, not hotel quarantine because it's not a red list, but mm. you just quarantine at home. Quarantine at home. So I can't, technically, I can't, I can't go anywhere. Not that there's really anywhere to go, mm. but... Um, I'm just, uh, just yeah, just chilling at home, mate. Just, you know. Chilling sounds Max- like something you, you needed. From what you was telling me, it was the, the hours were pretty full on. Oh, it was nuts. So the last day was like, we started work at 2 p.m., but obviously you don't wake up then. I, I still woke up at about half six because my body clock's just used to waking up early with the kids and stuff. Um, so I was awake at about half six getting to work for two in the afternoon, filmed until about 20 past four in the morning. So that was about a 14 and a bit hour day. And then, uh, and then we went back to the hotel, had two hours to just chill, pack bags, get a shower, whatever you wanted to do. And, uh, and then you're in the car to the airport. So overall, from kind of waking up in Kiev to getting home and having a nap in the afternoon was about 30 hours. Yeah, that's pretty brutal, for. wasn't so, it? It was pretty pretty harsh, yeah. But I mean, let's be honest. I'm not working in the sand mines like Francis Ngannou. I'm just, oh, uh, I mean, <laughs> just a, a dickish actor, so it's fine. If we're gonna talk brutal, well, I mean, let's let's talk UFC 260. But just also as well, um, coming up in a bit. Once we've had a chat about uh, the weekend's uh, fights that have just gone, um, we're blessed to have Arnold Allen as a guest. So uh, oh, looking forward mate. to that coming up soon. Number 10 ranked featherweight in the world. And, you know, if it wasn't for just real bad luck with, uh, mm. I think, Jeremy Stevens, Josh Emmett that fell out. We discussed a little bit mm. of this in, in, in the interview. But, you know, if he beats any one of those two, which I think he would have done had those fights not fallen out because they were injured, mm. um, he, he could be towards the top five easy. Um, and there's so, some good yeah. chat. Some good chat about the top 10 and, and his views on fighting top 10 fighters uh, and, and the fighters that are 
behind him in the rankings as well. He's got a, a really interesting sort of take on that. And trust me, you get some gold when he starts talking about being a tri-star and, you know, some of his early yes. sparring sessions. There's some, yeah. some great chat there. But let's talk about main card, 260. Oh, well, I mean, there's only one place to start, isn't there? And that's uh, the big the big boys, yeah. the heavyweights. And, uh, oh, man. Like, I, if, I wasn't sure which way this fight was going to go. Mm. I was really like, it could be a repeat. Steve Page just out-wrestles him. Because for ages, we've been hearing, like, oh, well, we don't know how much Francis has improved. I think his last four fights that have been wins uh, have totaled about three minutes yeah. in the octagon. It's It's nuts. So we haven't seen him. I mean, the, the, the best wrestler he's fought in that time has probably been Curtis Blades, and he dealt with him in seconds. So we haven't seen him do any takedown defense, nothing. Yeah. But he showed that he's clearly come on quite a lot. Um, I, the, the thing that worried me once they got on the scales, similarly with Adesanya Blahovic, he was two stone heavier than Stipe. And immediately you go, I mean, look, the uneducated person I am, I'm thinking to myself, well, surely if your game plan is wrestling, you want to be heavy. Mm. You want to wear on your opponent, push them up against the fence, mm. take them down, all those kinds of things. And weight makes a difference. Also, I would have thought weight might make a difference in taking the punches, yeah. which, I mean, Stipe, Stipe did take a couple of his punches oh, better than and anyone we've ever seen. Massively. No one's taken a hit from Francis like that. Mm. And he took one in the first round, shook it off. Second round, he got dropped, got back up again, gave one of his own. And then it seemed like his his mistake was thinking Francis was hurt, jumping in and getting clipped really badly. I mean, it was a bad knockout. Yeah, it, it, it weren't nice to see. It really wasn't nice to see. Um, yeah, I, I just thought um, that the, the, obviously when Stipe went for the takedown, I thought that was such a moment when literally Francis just fucking owned him. And it was just like, whoa, hang on. He don't do that. And it's like, oh, he does now. And he, I just thought that was a really big moment there that must have... It's got to get into Stipe's head. I mean, speaking of Stipe's head, and I love Stipe. I think he's just an absolute legend and just a really good advertisement for UFC as well like you know both of both of them were like you know absolute you know poster boys for for UFC um but I thought I thought Stipe looked a little bit nervous he looked a bit lost didn't he I I remember him saying in the was it the second the rematch with Cormier the first the first rematch so the second fight with Cormier because for the first three rounds, he, Cormier was was dealing with him like it was no problem at all. He, yeah. he, Cormier was winning that fight easy, and Stipe said for some reason he couldn't get going. He couldn't find it, and his corner—I don't know what they said to him or what they did—but fourth round he came out and went, "Oh, okay, now I, I need to sort myself out because yeah. it, it, he was he was struggling mentally or whatever." And that seemed to be where he was. He seemed to be lost. He, he wasn't. He didn't seem sure of himself. Yeah, I, I, I thought that kind of. I mean, you've mentioned DC there a few times. Uh, the highlight of that whole event for me, knockout and everything aside, was just how excited DC was 
to start throwing John Jones's name in the mix. <laughs> he just wants to see Francis spark John Jones so bad, doesn't he? He just wouldn't let it go. I was like, look, mate, we all know you couldn't do it and somebody's desperate <laughs> to watch Francis do it now. I thought it was hilarious. It, well, I mean, I, I think he's speaking for a lot of people. I mean, Dana White had some stuff to say at the press conference. Mm. I, I mean, look, I'm not the biggest John Jones fan, but... Fuck me, am I excited for the idea of John Jones versus Engano? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dana White did his usual thing, which I'm not a big fan of, where the fighters are clearly wanting more money and he's painting it like, oh, well, if he wants to fight, he'll fight. But, you know, it's all well and good saying you've put on the weight and it's all well and good tweeting that you want to fight, but do you really want the fight? And it's like, yes, Dana, if, if you pay him what he wants, of course he's going to take the fight. He's not. He's not not taking the fight because all of a sudden it's Francis now. Mm. He's not not taking the fight because he's scared. Mm. He's not taking the fight because you're not offering him enough money mm. as far as he's concerned. And so I'm, I'm not a big fan of of Dana White coming out and kind of, of saying these things. I think he's done it before with, with fighters as well. I'm not sure if he maybe did it with like with Cyborg and another fight. I know that Connor did that thing a while back where he tweeted the, the the direct messages out to the public because Dana White was saying things that, as far as Connor was concerned, he was lying, basically, and, and misrepresenting what was really going down. Um, so, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, and that's coming from someone that's not a huge John Jones fan. As much as I have you know, massive respect for what he's done in the cage, but how much help has he had outside of the cage yeah. with the old picograms and whatever else? Oh, um, I mean, it's, it's a... It's a- it's a movie ready to be made, John Jones's life, isn't it? I mean, it's it's crazy. But um, I see a message from from Pip earlier, um, and he put uh, something on there. We was just chatting and saying, you know, love to see that fight. And and it is weird because he pointed out, like, basically in the last three fights, John Jones hasn't looked great. And no. so you do think, like, well, what makes you think that he's now going to walk straight in and... I mean, he's won, obviously, but yeah. I don't think he's looked like the John Jones of four, five, six years ago, like, for a long time. Do you know what I'm saying? No, and and, and some people would say, oh, it's because now USADA are tougher, so he's not allowed the special source. But I, I would say probably what I think is more likely is that he's not been challenged. Mm. Like, with all due respect to Anthony Smith and Dominic Reyes and Thiago Santos and that, he probably woke up that morning and just went, oh, I've got another one of these light heavyweights, have I? Oh, okay, yeah, all right, mm. I'll, I'll just go and deal with these guys. And he makes maybe a bit of a meal of it because maybe he's not. I mean, just who knows what his mindset is. He might have gone in there really going for it. But I, I, I think... If John Jones fights Francis, he knows that one wrong move and he's going to sleep. Mm. And it's not just the fear of being knocked out, I think, with these kind of massive, not just elite level athletes, but people that are regarded as the GOAT, people that really are considering their legacy that they'll be leaving behind. Yeah. Is, I think it's more scary to have that L on your record than it is to get knocked out. Mm. And I think he will be... One of the best John. I mean, depending on how he deal copes with having the excess, the extra weight, I think it'll be one of the best John Jones will will see. But whether that's enough to deal with Francis is another issue. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, you're talking about a movie to be made, Francis Ngannou. Oh, I mean, what man. an unbelievable story. I, I was listening to a little bit earlier um, of him on, on Joe Rogan talking about working on the sand mines from the age of about 10 um, and, you know, to going to, to school and not being able to af- afford like a, a notebook or a pencil and teachers effectively like kicking him out of the classroom because he didn't have this stuff and not having any friends because he didn't feel like he could bring anything to the table because he couldn't even afford, you know, as I say, like a pencil, a notepad. He'd walk six miles to school every morning. Like it would take him two hours to get to school. Sometimes he'd do that without food. And then it'd get to the middle of the day and he'd be like, I'm so hungry. I'm starving. I have to leave school and just go home and try and get some food. I'm I mean, so hungry. He's caught up on them dinners now. He's a big <laughs> boy. <isn't> he? <laughs> he's, a big, he's a big boy now. Yeah, but I mean, it's like it just—it's such a sad. Well, it's, it's a, it starts off as such a sad story, and then you know, going off to—I um, think he—he—he he, he went. I don't know how he got there, but the, traveled five thousand miles to like Morocco, and then kind of illegally crosses um, uh, some, some kind of body, some body of water to get into to Spain or whatever. Apparently he's still got scars from barbed wire where he was crossing through these places, spent time in prison because he was technically uh, an illegal migrant, but then gains, um, I think like refugee status, then boards a train from, I think Spain to France without a ticket, just somehow sneaks on there. And then is homeless in Paris in a car park for a month or so. And then a charity finds him, helps him out and he finds boxing and then mixed martial arts I mean, what a story! Yeah, that that's that is a three-hour-long epic yeah. biopic. If I've ever heard one, that's an unbelievable yeah. story. The hardship he's come from, mm. and then not only the hardship he's come from in his life, but then to be steamrolling everyone in his MMA career, come up to Stipe Miocic and get completely found out to the point where everyone was saying, oh, he was just all hype. He was just a heavy hitter. He had no wrestling, no skills, none of this, just big hands. And then he fights Derek Lewis and he's booed out of the arena. And then he picks himself up after that. Knockout, 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 knockout. And then fights Stipe again. I mean, that is some unbelievable story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, let's let's mention Derek Lewis. Um, I mean, are they going to run that back? Uh, well, it's again. Dana mentions Derek. I I get the vibe that Dana's mentioning Derek to get John Jones to just hurry up and, and yeah. sign on the dotted line. If if for whatever reason the Jones fight isn't happening, I think Ngannou's going to be far more active than Stipe was. I mean, mm. you think about Stipe is what thirty eight. He'll be thirty nine this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I actually don't know how old Francis is. I imagine he's probably in his early to mid thirties, but. Um, He's, he's going to be a fair bit younger than Stipe, I'd imagine. I mean, Father Time catches up with everyone. Is Stipe the fighter now that he was when they first met three, four years ago? You could argue not. Hmm. Um, so, What's yeah, next for Stipe? Uh, uh, well, that that is an interesting question. It, firstly, he needs to take loads of time off, which he's used to doing after fights anyway, but uh, I, that was... Not just the knockout, but the heavy hammer fist that landed, you know, when he was already knocked out. I mean, that's not Francis's fault. I don't even blame Herb Dean for it. You know, he's not the Flash. He can only get there so quickly. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he, he's going to be 39 this year. It's either 
wait and see if Francis Jones happens. And maybe if Jones wins, you take on Jones. That's a massive fight. If you're still the quote unquote, you know, greatest heavyweight of all time, even regardless of this loss, he's still got the best record of any heavyweight in terms of championship defenses. Mm. Um, you 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 probably walk straight into the John Jones fight afterwards, make huge amounts of money. That'd be a great way mm. to sign off. Um, you've got a trilogy with Ngannou. I mean, I I just can't get over the fact that that's such a vicious knockout. I don't think I I wouldn't want to see him fight Ngannou. Who again. who I, will want to fight Francis? I mean. I mean, you're Derek Lewis. I, I mean, my balls is hot. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Lewis would be all over it. I fucking love Derek Lewis, mate. He's I mean, so good. I get why John Jones is saying I want the fucking money because you ain't doing that for glory. You are not getting in that no. octagon for fucking glory with that man standing in front of you. You want to make no. sure that your hospital bills are going to be covered. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, it's uh, terrifying, like a prospect of like having him coming across the octagon at you. Smaller octagon as well, less places yeah. to run last night as well. Just oh, as they were saying, well, it, I was just saying this is terrifying. Yeah, well, I think I mean. The apex and the small octagon might be a thing of the past now. They've got, I think, next month the uh, 261 is taking place in Jacksonville, I think. 15,000 people in attendance. The world's opening up again. Dana White's talked about Texas. Um, and I think, you know, that I think a lot of these fights we'll see now will be out of the apex, other than maybe the next couple of fight nights because they're probably booked in. But the pay per view events, I think, will start becoming bigger Vegas. Jacksonville, uh, you know, Madison Square Garden at some point again, all of those places. I mean, the the thing that we you'd really love to see with Francis as a heavyweight champ, but I, I don't think it will happen for a long time though because of the COVID restrictions, is a UFC pay-per-view event in Africa. Yeah, man. That would be some that would be such a big event. That would be massive. Yeah. I mean, there there's there's some badass fighters that could go on that card. You know, that I want to go back and like fighting their hometown. Oh, that would be incredible, mate. And, well, you've got Usman from yeah. Nigeria, Adesanya from Nigeria, and Ganu from Cameroon. I mean, you, you could, you would pack that place out. If you yeah. had just two of those guys, particularly yeah. if Francis was headlining in a big fight, oh, that would be, that would be such a, that would be a huge event. Like, yeah. you, it would be one of those kind of, Rumble in the Jungle, Thriller in Manila. 100% was what was go. going through my head. Yeah, that's it. Then it'll be people that aren't even big UFC fights. Mm. that will they'll, they'll get pulled into this storyline yeah. of Francis Ngannou in Africa, either against like a John Jones or, or, or someone else, maybe down the line, a heavyweight contender, a Cyril Garn down the line, something mm. like that. Um, that would be really, really special. But... Um, yeah, I mean, so we've already discussed, you know, Francis, it's either John Jones if UFC pay up or it's Derek Lewis if they yeah. don't. And I, I think that Derek Lewis fight will be the polar opposite of the Derek Lewis oh, fight we got. I fucking hope so. I mean... <laughs> I mean, that I mean, yeah, was, it was one a stinker, of, wasn't it? Oh, my God. It was the worst fight I've watched in UFC. I don't think yeah. I've seen a less... And I mean, the, the hype and excitement of seeing them two monster men get in that cage, and it was like, here we go, and we didn't go, yeah. did we? It was just no. a non-starter. And, oh, my life, yeah, to see them go and throw, oh, that would be something special. It, I mean, they're, they're, 
we'd be stupid to think there wouldn't be a little bit of maybe a feeling out process. I mean, Ngannou seems a bit more patient now. Derek Lewis would be stupid to just throw hands immediately. And Ngannou would be maybe stupid to do the same because Derek Lewis is so unbelievably powerful as well. But, that, I mean, sign me up for that. I, I, despite the fact of how the last fight went, I, w- I will watch that all day long. I mean, I'll tune in for the press conference for Derek Lewis as well. <laughs> always, uh, always. <laughs> always love Derek Lewis. Um but yeah, so you know, you've got great options for Ngannou mm, there. Mm. I don't, I don't think it'll be Stipe in a trilogy because I think Stipe needs to take a good eight, nine months off, and Ngannou mm. I think will be more active. He'll have a title fight uh, defense within that period. And um, yeah, I don't know about Stipe. I was thinking earlier, I kind of forgot about his age. I was like, if he's two hundred and thirty pounds, Stipe, I'm like, well. He's probably only a few pounds heavier than Jan Blahovic was when he was actually like mm. turned up on fight night. Mm. If he hires a nutritionist, this is crazy talk, I know, but if he hires like a nutritionist, can he get down towards that 205 mark and walk straight into a title fight at 205? But I think he's too old to do that kind of cut. Why would you want to? He's made too much money. He's too old. Yeah. But I mean, that would that would be like a left field out of nowhere yeah. thing for Stipe to, to... But I mean, if he trained and got a nutritionist, if he's already just naturally walking around at 230 pounds... Yeah. I, I could see him. I could see him cutting down to, to 220 just naturally walking mm. around and then make the, the cut to, to 205. But I think for a 39-year-old to do that when they've never done it before is... He's probably asking way, way too much. I don't think that would ever happen. And if he wants to retire, I mean, it, there's there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, he's, he seems like such a great bloke. I mean, firefighter and all that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, whatever he wants to do, I think he should be allowed to do, shouldn't he? Absolutely. And I guess if we're talking where the fighters go now, Tyrone Woodley. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, do you know what? At least we saw something of Woodley. Oh, when he come out, I just thought, yeah. here we go. I've not seen him this awake for a long time. This looks great. I mean, my God. I mean, it was the last time we saw him anything like that was in the Till fight. Um, and, yeah, it, that, that, I mean, at least I think if he went out on that performance, despite him being on a four-fight losing streak, I think that's something that he can hold his head up a bit more. You know, those... Those other fights, it just it felt like he wasn't there. He, he spoke himself about the psychology of like feeling like he had an outer body experience and was just watching himself lose and he couldn't do anything about it. You can't say that about this. He got Luke rocked mm. and then Luke just got, got one back much harder, it seemed. Again, Woodley's probably about 39. The time catcher, even these, these athletes that look unbelievable like yeah. like Woodley who just he seems like he's an action figure he's, he's got yeah. muscles on muscles the the time will catch up with you there's only so much that you can achieve up to a certain age and 100%. um you know so yeah so I think I, I think he probably should call it a day that sounds harsh a lot of people saying oh but the the three fighters he lost to before this are all like the three of the best going Gilbert Burns Kamaru Usman Colby Covington you could make the argument that they are the top three welterweights in the world absolutely yeah. you can't disagree too strongly with that um, and Luke has been in the top ten for a little while now as well so you know he's not getting beat by bums he's not getting beat by people outside the top 15 or top 20 Uh but he just, 
I don't know, three really terrible performances, followed by a situation where he, he got knocked out. Um, he, 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 he went on the socials today, I don't know if you saw it, and said, like, you know... I didn't, know. I, I was kind of happy with what my game plan was, and it was to go out and, and to look, you know, more exciting and to... And to go at it, and you know, I felt the fight was going where I wanted it to go, and then obviously it went the complete wrong way I wanted it to go. But they were throwing, and you know, when big boys like that start throwing shots, you know, then someone's gonna someone's gonna have a little lay down. And unfortunately, it was, it was Tyrone last night. Uh, yeah. So what's next for Luke yeah. then? Luke. I mean, well, he probably moves up to around about seventh. He was tenth. Mm. Woodley was seventh. So I'm, I'm assuming they'll just swap positions come when mm. the rankings come out. What's above Luke? Well, you've got Kiesa, who's probably in need of a fight. That's, um, a, that's a good fight. It's such a difficult division, the welterweights. But the, the welterweights are so... It's kind of annoying because, you know... Covington seems to not want to fight anyone other than Usman. But mm. Usman's fighting Masvidal, who didn't want to fight anyone other than Usman, it seemed. Mm. Leon Edwards, rightfully so, probably doesn't want to fight anyone other than Usman. Took the Bilal Muhammad fight. We all know that that didn't end the way we all wanted, wanted it to. I mean, Edwards has, has got a win over uh, Luke. So would he really want to go back there? Probably not. But with the state of the welterweight division at the moment... Well, is it better to fight Luke, who'll be probably seventh, than yeah. it is to fight Bilal Mohammed again, who's about 13th, 14th, yeah. something like that? So, I mean, if they make the Edwards fight, fine. But again, you, I just start feeling sorry for Edwards again. Um, Luke got beat by Thompson recently. Uh, so, I mean, maybe the Kiesa fight is, yeah. is the one to make. I like that as well. Um, they'll be right next to each other in the rankings. Mm. Um Otherwise, you've got people behind him, like probably uh, Damian Meyer, Meyer, who I think is on one last fight. I don't see why he would fight Luke for his last fight. Neil Magny, who's just come off a loss. Um, I think I'm liking yeah, the Kiesa I know, fight. I, I, I think Kiesa, yeah, it seems like the best one, maybe. But we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Welterweight needs to get moving properly. Definitely. And uh, it's not, you know, they've had some bad luck with the way that Edwards Bilal Mohammed ended up. But they need to get moving Covington needs to fight someone. Mm. Edwards needs to have a proper fight. Um, and then we'll, we'll see how things work out from there. I mean, tenuous link here. Getting moving. Fuck me. The sugar show. That was moving in spectacular fashion last <laughs> night. I mean, that's a night. very tenuous link. <laughs> <laughs> a, that was the most tenuous segue of getting moving. Well, Sean O'Malley moves. Uh, yeah, he moves. Yeah, he moves. moving. I mean, his he movement... Moves. I mean, his movement was exceptional, yeah. man. I mean, you know, we're all on board the, yeah. the, the, for the Sugar Show at the moment, and my God, he delivered last night, didn't he? Yeah, I mean... I, he was. He must have been aware early on that Almeida's plan was going to be to kick the legs because he seems to have had problems in that area before. He said in a press conference that he's, you know, shut a lot of people up because for eight months he's been hearing about how he's got weak ankles and that's why when he left the cage he did that kind of fake stumble around yeah. thing. Um, yeah, I mean, look, in terms of fighting style, he is one of the most exciting guys to watch, isn't he? I mean... Bit of a crazy one with the old uh, walk-off uh, KO that never happened in the first round. And you're thinking to yourself, God, if Almeida lands something here or does do a leg kick that somehow damages the ankles or, or something like that, you are going to regret that so badly. And then he did it again. Yeah. He technically did it again in the third round. He tried to walk off again 
And then he realised the ref wasn't going to stop it. So he just so casually just ambled over and then laid a massive right hand that possibly wasn't necessary. Maybe the well, ref could have stopped it earlier. But, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure on that. I don't think he was at. Like, right. he, he was... I mean, don't get me wrong. He did not... <laughs> Nobody needs to have their head put through the canvas like he did. That was brutal. It was so casual, and then it was on the button, that shot, wasn't it? And it was like, yeah. oh. But Almeida, he's a tough cookie. And, you know, you've seen already, he got straight back up last time. And it's like, put him away, or he's going to get back up. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm not, you know, I see a bit of heat on that. Um, about that, you know, that should have been stopped before that, and and I, I don't necessarily agree. I mean, the shot that followed was was brutal, but I don't think it should have been stopped at that point until you know there was something more conclusive done. Oh, that that that's my take on it. And I mean, you Fair talk enough. about the the leg kicks as well. Um, them sort of oh, was it like the oblique kicks and that that he was throwing to Almeida's yeah. knees. Well, oh. Brutal. I don't like they're not them kicks. Nice, are they? No, they're no. really not. And obviously, we spoke about Jones, and he was one. For me, he was one of the fighters that I started to see use at a lot, like many yes. years ago. Yeah. And it's like I think it's a, you know, I know when we spoke to to Brad and we spoke to Paddy, you know, they both said, you know, no soccer kicks, knees on the ground, blah blah blah. Yep, yeah, we're we're fine with all of that. But them kicks to the knees, obviously, they're. They're a really, really, you know, serious strike. But I just think they could be career-ending. Like, just one of them, you know, it's at someone's knee. And, I mean, obviously there's so much brutality in the Octagon, but there's just something about them kicks that I just think they just look dirty. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on board with them. And I find them, I mean, some of the power that he was throwing behind them last night, I was just thinking, oh, my life, that... What must that feel like, you know, on a kneecap like, or above the kneecap? Just terrifying. Yeah, well, I mean, well, Wonderboy, after the Till fight, was very vocal about wanting to ban that. I think he maybe suffered a bad knee injury from it or something like that. And Till was using those kicks a lot on Wonderboy. And, uh, and yeah, he really, he really didn't like it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you say about it. I mean, I always think, yeah, there's an element in me that goes, well, oh, we're seeing people get knocked out and elbow to the face and all this kind of stuff. Uh, But then the kick to the knee, as you say, it could be career ending or career shortening maybe. Um, But then there's another part that goes, well, you can't, how how can you have the brutality that is in the sport and then not have just like a kick to the knee? Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where I stand on it. It's uh, strange to, to be because it, them kind of like straight shots to the front of the knee or coming down above the kneecap, you know, are, are they more brutal than, you know, a, a lethal, you know, Muay Thai low kick to the side of the knee? Do you know what I mean? It, 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 where, where do you draw the line there? But there's just something about when you see them kicks being thrust out, smashing on the kneecap that I, I don't know. I just think all oh, my life, no, no. I, yeah. I just think it's... It's a strange shot that, and and we I definitely think we've seen it a lot, lot more. And obviously with, with someone like Wonderboy's style and the way Hello Slang is when he fights, you could see why that will be a, a, a choice strike yeah. for Till to throw. But yeah. Uh, oh yeah, but I mean, for me last night seeing you, you know uh, O'Malley fight, 
it just looked like he was sparring and he was like, right, I've got loads of things I want to try out tonight. I want to try some spinning kicks tonight. I want to do that. And it was like, he just looked completely relaxed, completely calm. Never at any real point, I thought, looked under any threat from uh, Almeida. Um, but yeah, I thought he just looked, his hand speed was insane. Um, yeah, just thought he looked fantastic. And he yeah. looked fantastic. The hair was on point, mate. <laughs> the hair was on point. The uh, yeah, I mean, he is. He's, he's he's just he's a charismatic guy that people just gravitate towards him, and the UFC know that, which is why they're giving him mm. a bit of a push. Um, will he fight a top fifteen guy next? I'm not sure. Um, you know, I mean, he's still very young. I think. Um, I I don't know. I mean, you look at the top fifteen of the bantamweights, and you just think there's just so. I mean. One name just pops out at me as like, I don't know whether this is the right fight, but in terms of absolute carnage and fun, is Kyler Phillips, who was the uh, mm-hmm. the guy we saw recently do with all the Matrix stuff. And he, yeah. did, he had a phenomenal fight style. Those two against each other could be like watching uh, Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat or something. It would just be a computer game fight. That would be pretty epic. Um, I don't know. I think there's fighters out there now that are going to be thinking, right, where could I have a little last money show? And, you know, what's Frank Edgar going to be doing there? You know, is is he going to get a chance to fight anybody above him? I don't think so. Like, who? what fights are there for Frank Edgar at the moment? Could he cash in and have a nice... Nice payoff for a big money fight with you know as on the Sugar Show. I don't know how much money will be in that, but just looking through that, you know, aside from like you know the the, the top three, I think the money, you know, all the attention is not on you know so many of them fighters. It's that the attention is all about you know uh, O'Malley at the moment. So yeah. I don't know. I, I know what you mean. I personally, Frankie Frankie is still a much bigger name than Sean O'Malley in my opinion, mm. and I think that. That's a great fight for Sean O'Malley. It's fantastic. Mm. What a brilliant fight. I don't want to see it for just fear of Frankie getting knocked out by another young guy. I don't... Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think that if you're the UFC and you want to build brand Sean O'Malley, that's a fantastic fight to put him in. Mm. But if I'm Frankie Edgar, I, I don't see the point in taking that fight... Um, and I, as a fan, don't necessarily want to see it either. Um, I think Kyler Phillips would be fun, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he has to fight someone outside of the top 15 again, get mm. another win. He did just lose to, to Chito Vera. And mm. although he's saying he's still technically undefeated, you were mentioning that uh, whether that fight will go again. Yeah, what do you, do yeah. you think the rematch could happen? Well, I mean, probably O'Malley don't really want it because he don't think he lost <laughs> You know, as, as they <laughs> called it out last night, and it was like, uh, with one loss, he just, he'd done the little zero with his fingers to the camera. So it's like, he's, uh, he doesn't seem to be wanting to believe that. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. He's, it is a, a blemish on, 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 on his record, and, and you know, and it, he, he lost that fight. So what, I don't know. He, he He's the, he's the kind of the hype and the, you know, the whole sugar show Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Bigger than that fight now. You know, is, is he, can he just leave that behind and just keep going, right, well, look, I've just done something spectacular. I'm looking great everybody's watching to see where I'm going. Do I really want to take that fight again? Or should I be calling out someone like further up the rankings, top 15, top 10? Uh, well, if it, I, I think I, I actually see it from kind of the opposite way. I, if I'm Marlon Vera, I'm going, why am I taking that fight? I've already beat him. Mm. Uh, regardless of whether you think it was him having a fantastic game plan or doing good low kicks or if he just got lucky hitting some nerve, as, as Sean O'Malley says. He's top, Marlon Vera's top 15. He has just come off a loss to Aldo. Was, yeah. it, was his loss to Aldo the last fight? If you're Marlon Vera, I think you could fight someone else in the top 15, potentially, or you fight someone else. But you don't have to fight Sean O'Malley again. That fight can be down the line. Like, yeah, I, if, if, I'm, if I'm Chito Vera, I, I don't see the point in that. You've... what. What you're not going to gain anything from beating him again, I don't think. Mm. Whereas if he beats you, then it was like, oh yeah, that first one was a fluke, and you don't want that. So I, I, I think I don't know. Sean O'Malley might face someone else in the top fifteen, but although I, 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 I think the Kyler Phillips fight would be so much fun. Mm. I just think that'd be such an amazing fight to yeah. watch. And I don't know. I might lean towards Kyler Phillips winning that one. So maybe the UFC wouldn't want to put him in there. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's always that as well, isn't it? It's like, do do they want to kind of because they're queuing him up to be golden boy, aren't they? You know the, yeah, the way that the, the, the you know the machine is in place now to make him you know a superstar. Um, and and I think, do they want to blow their load too quickly on on him? Are they going to sort of you know make it a you know slowly slowly catchy monkey type affair to to you know really build that hype, build some you know money out of him as well. Yeah, get some more highlight reel finishes. Again, mm. I think he's like early to mid twenties. I'm not exactly sure how old uh, how old he is, but um, mm. yeah, if you just get some more highlight reels, just just do that, build the brand, all that kind of stuff, and then yeah, you're, you're good for the big big fights later down the line, I guess. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. 
Other than that, we saw uh, Miranda uh, Fear the Maverick versus Gillian Robertson. Uh, Miranda's probably going to be in the top 15 now, because I think Gillian Robertson was in the top 15 at the start of the night. Yeah, she was 15th. Yeah. Um, so she'll probably move into there. I mean, she just seemed to... She seemed to dominate her in the in the first round, not just with the blitz of kind of powerful yeah. striking, but with a couple of takedowns as well. Then Robertson had that second round where she was all over her. However, what was interesting was that when the scores were read out by the judges, it was 30-27 on a couple of cards. Mm. And as well, some people like how, and even Gillian Robertson herself, when she knew she'd lost, but she was like 30-27, kind of saying it incredulously. And after listening to, um, I think Pip recommended uh, uh, Sean Sheehan, and I've looked into some of his videos about the kind of judging criteria and that. It is strange because from the outside looking in, the, un- the, the uneducated person when it comes to the no- knowledge of the judging criteria would go, that is clearly Gillian Robertson's round. Mm. She controlled her on the ground for the vast majority of it. There's no way that Miranda's won that round. However, when you look at the judging criteria, there was no ground and pound there was no real kind of dangerous submission situation. It, it felt like Miranda was defending well. Gillian Robertson was then maintaining position. It didn't look like there was any other situation where you're like, oh my God, she might tap or anything like that. And then they get up with a few seconds left and it's Miranda who's really putting the, the assault on her in that second round in terms of the striking and landed a couple of heavy shots. So by the judging criteria, I think that is a 30-27. But to me that makes me think there's something wrong with the criteria because how can someone dominate you on the ground for that length of time and not win the round? But but according to the judging criteria, she doesn't because she didn't inflict any damage. Yeah. Yeah, and personally for me, I, I, I thought it was probably the least exciting of the fights on that, on that main card. I think there yeah. was so much other just f- much faster paced devastating kind of action that that kind of it was a it was a good fight but i just think there was some too many blitzes going on that that that, that held my attention and the one before that as well malarkey i mean oof. oh well that was just over in seconds was that i mean that was what a left hook that was yeah 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 like, was, i mean yeah there's not even much to to, <laughs> no. to say about it is it it's no. just like, what it what a great, a great mm. shot. And, uh, yeah, Karma Worthy was talking about uh, how, you know, kind of fucked up the, the lightweight division is because, you know, uh, it seems to be that you have to take four or five years to, to get a title shot because you have to rack up so many wins because a bit like the welterweight division, yeah. the top of that division don't want to fight anyone other than who's in front of them or who's around them and stuff like that. And the lightweight division is so stacked from, yeah. like, you know, all the people you've not heard of from kind of, you know, 15 or 20 down to 40, they're, they're great fighters. They're killers. And, uh, yeah, but uh, Carmel Irvy is, I think he's in his mid-30s as well. So he, after a loss like that, I don't think he's going to be getting anywhere near a, a title shot or even probably in the top 10. That, the, the top 15. The, the top yeah. 15 is, is all all just straight-up killers. Really is like that is a stacked division. 
Like, yeah, there's a lot going on there. But, yeah, I mean, as you say, there wasn't huge amounts to say about uh, that scrap. It was just over before it started, really. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I love a you know, little Butte for his highlight reel there. Um, well, um, I want to give a special mention to something I saw. Jason Herzog as, as a ref. Do you know what? Not only do I think he's a really good ref, he's genuinely really quite compassionate or as compassionate as you can be with the fighters. Because if you go back and watch this, you can see when Gillian Robertson has clearly lost a fight, he's hold, you know, he hold, they hold the fighter's hands just before raising it. And he kind of taps Gillian Robertson with like, with the hand and stuff as if to say like, it's okay, don't worry. And then he did the same thing with Tyron Woodley. Tyron, but he didn't do it with a hand tap. Tyron Woodley came over and he kind of put his hand on Tyron's shoulder with a kind of, I just gave it like a little compassionate squeeze. And I was like, oh, Jason, I love you, Jason. <laughs> he just seems like the nicest guy. Jason Herzog's my new, uh, my new ref crush. Because, uh, yeah, I just, he just seems like such a, a nice bloke showing, you know, it's, it's so subtle because you have to be very professional and stuff, I guess. But, um, yeah, a little bit of compassion in there for the fighters that he knows are going to lose. And, yeah, I loved, I loved that. It's just something I noticed that I, I thought was really nice. Going to keep it subtle with the tenuous links uh, today, Blake. Uh, speaking of amazing, lovely men, should we introduce one? Ah, oh, here we go. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, today we have a, a lovely guest on the show. This was recorded before 260, so unfortunately we haven't got his takes on, on the fights from last night. But uh, we have got Arnold Almighty Allen, AAA, the number 10th ranked featherweight, in the world he's got a fight coming up with Sadiq Youssef soon I think on April 10th uh, and we have got a fantastic chat with him coming up Arnold how's it going I'm good man I'm good I'm, I'm tired now I woke up I'm tired <laughs> I'm feeling, yeah, I'm you're, you're in fun. Montreal aren't you yeah that's right yeah. yeah so what time what time is it there right now nine nine in the morning nine a.m. so you've done a nice early one for us have you yeah. had breakfast yet yeah, mate, all the, yeah. I'm, I'm always up early, so, yeah. Well, I, I guess the first thing we want to ask you, really, is is basically how did you decide and become a fighter? When when did that yeah. present itself as, a, as an opportunity and as, as something that you wanted to do? Hmm. Uh, yeah, so like, ever since I was little, me and my older brother sort of always watched the old, uh, the old Kung Fu movies, you know, the Bruce Lee stuff and yeah. all that. And even the cartoons and like we were always practicing the moves on each other and uh watching wrestling and whatnot. And uh basically he's bigger than me and he used to he used to beat me up. So I started going to a boxing gym and started trying to learn things sort of so I could beat him up. And then uh yeah, I just sort of fell in love with it from there. I like my, my dad had a few fights as well and uh I I really thought it was I didn't think it was cool or anything. I thought oh, my dad does that like I don't like that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> My dad does it. But, uh, yeah, like slowly, slowly, I sort of started training more mixed martial arts. And, yeah, I just sort of fell in love with it from there. So, I mean, your your dad did, like, strongman competitions as well, didn't he? Yeah, and that's he, As you say, he also did some MMA fights. So, when you decided, oh, I'm, I might actually look into doing this now, despite thinking it maybe wasn't so cool when you were younger because your dad did it, did yeah. you feel any... Was there any pressure that kind of like, you know, like, oh, it's, my dad will be looking at what I'm doing with maybe a keener eye than most other dads? And is yeah. that pressure or is that, or was it nice going into what your dad did? 
Uh, yeah, no, like he was always really good with it. To be honest, he never he never pressured me or anything. But like going through uh, when I was a teenager and all that, like doing your partying stage and whatnot, he'd sort of come in my room in the morning and be like, "You come to the gym?" I'm like, ah, not today, not today. And uh, he'd just sort of guilt trip you, you know, like, ah, oh, you're gonna regret it. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll come. So yeah, like he, he never forced me to do anything. It was never. He sort of he's always sort of let the coaches do their work. You know what I mean and give me a little advice on the way that's great so you did a lot of working out on a hangover then yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't have the paulo costa excuse then because you're oh, used oh. to work, fighting on a hangover <laughs> experience yeah. <laughs> yeah. in regards to the boxing like you said you started off boxing did you did you ever sort of compete as a, as a, as a boxer yeah yeah i competed in the amateurs uh, i didn't have many to be honest but um i trained for a long time as an amateur yeah, I enjoyed it. I did like it. And so why was the the, the, the inclination to then learn other disciplines and, and, and was it just through the rise of, of, of this, you know, the, the, the impact of MMA on the world? Yeah, uh, you know what it was? I, like, I wanted to go all the way with the boxing. It was just where I was at the gym I was at. There was a lot of politics. They weren't getting fights and I saw, you know, it just wasn't working out really. And I was I was pretty young at the time and I was just like, you know, I'd rather do something with less politics, enjoy it more and uh, compete, you know. You see that a lot with boxing, don't you, where they're like, you've got these two great boxers that look like they, they should easily be fighting each other. And as you say, yeah. politics, the managers and people behind the scenes want to get as much money as possible. It's yes. not something we see as much in, mm-hmm. in MMA and in the UFC. It does feel like the best usually will always fight the best. I mean, there's a few exceptions, like the welterweight division at the moment does feel a lot like people yeah. are slightly avoiding each other and stuff but but generally speaking it is the best versus the best and does that appeal to you a lot more in terms of like a sporting challenge like that competitive nature and stuff yeah definitely like like with boxing it's kind of a known thing like if you're not backed by the obviously the fighter has to do the work and win the fights and all that but like if you're not backed by the promoter it's very difficult to sort of get to the top you know there's not a mm. I think Tyson Fury sort of was one of the guys that was he wasn't the A side and made it to the top, you know. Like I, I read his book and he was always sort of the away guy. He was always sort of travelling to the events and you know, and he sort of made it to the top. So then you, then you have the opposite, obviously you have uh, AJ Joshua. He's yeah the promoter's boy, they've pushed him the whole way, they've given him the, the right fights to build himself up and obviously he did all the work and won the fights, but yeah. I think you have the promotion on your side. Absolutely. And I mean, we're recording this that, you know, in in the weeks after they've they've announced that that fight is going to happen. I'm I'm, I'm curious to know, Arnold, how you think that's going to work out? Uh, I've always thought Fury would just sort of outbox him. You know, Fury's, he's good. He's good. Like he's a good boxer and he's a big, awkward body. But, not only is he big and awkward, he's a good boxer. He, he moves like a middleweight. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's dancing on his toes. Like, yeah, he's, he's fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I think he's got too much for, uh, for AJ. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think, I, I don't necessarily think it'll be a, an all out war, but mm. I, I think it'll be a, I definitely think you're going to see a masterclass from from Fury we, we, as, yeah. a, as a boxer. That's how I see it going. I don't know. That's why I think as well. Yeah. Blake, what are you saying? 
Uh, well, look, I'm going to be lame, guys, and just say I'm, I'm just much more of an MMA guy. I don't really care about It's weird because oh, yeah? the, the combat sports, I know that a lot of people are like, oh, but it's, you know, combat is, is combat. and it's all... But for me, I'm like, bo- boxing feels so one-dimensional to me. Mm. Having been into MMA for so long now, I, I love the fact that the, an MMA fight can go anywhere. It, it feels like a real fight. It feels like yeah. the closest you can get to... The, the a real life situation and you know it's i think when you look at like because i know I've, I've heard stipe in an interview recently uh talking about like oh well he'd love to fight aj or or tyson fury in a boxing match and i'm like well i mean i wouldn't say it to his face because he's a, a big dude but <laughs> he's not got a chance in hell against aj or, or tyson fury in a boxing match yeah. But equally, I think, well, if, if it's just a fight or if, it, or if, if any boxer comes over into the MMA world, it, there's even less chance of a boxer beating an MMA athlete, in my opinion, because they're so not used to so many things that could come their way, whether it be leg kicks, takedowns, yeah. the clinch work, and all of those things are so... And, it, and so, yeah, so I just, I'm just not as fussed. I mean, I do think Tyson Fury will probably win because he'll outbox him, but I'm not... I, I don't care enough, whereas yeah. I really care about MMA, which is why this is the MMA fan show. I'm not the boxing <laughs> fan show, Stu. So can we please, please get back on track? Um, <laughs> but yeah. getting back on track, though, the one thing that really fascinates me is the mentality of, of someone that before they go out to the octagon or the ring or whatever it is to fight someone. Because, I mean, I, I've always shied away from confrontation that's the last thing i would ever want um yeah. how, how do you find gearing up for a fight because i mean we had brad pickett on recently as well and he said that he had moments where he got that kind of imposter syndrome of not necessarily being confident in himself and he'd a- he'd actually look at highlight reels of himself before the fight to go right. oh yeah no i'm good at this i, <laughs> like, I can do it but like, how, how does it come naturally to you or do you have moments where you're like what the fuck am i doing yeah uh so for me, like, it's always, I'm confident in, like, the, the work I've put in. And, like, if I haven't put the work in, then I'm shitting myself, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah so, like, say, say a fight camp, like, generally six, six weeks or whatever. So I get the fight six weeks out, sign the contract. I'm, I'm looking at the guy and thinking, oh, he's good. He knocks people out. Oh, like, you know, I see all the bad stuff. Yeah. But then every week of camp, every week of training that goes by, I get more confident, more confident and, like, I think less of the bad stuff. I think of all the good things I'm doing and yeah, it's just confident in the, in the hard work I'm putting in. So yeah, I, I worry less about the opponent and more about myself. So I, don't, I find that helpful. Have you, have you got a routine like but before the actual walkout itself, when, when, when you, you know, in, in, in the dressing room, like have you got a sort of a routine or, have, you know, is it yeah, headphones on music on pacing around shadow boxing? Like what, 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 what's, what's the sort of last moments before we actually see you come out into the arena? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't really have a routine to be honest. I, I probably, I talk a bit more than I usually do. <laughs> I get a bit like a, you know, you're like an excited kid. You sort of waffle on, you just sort of talk crap a little bit, but yeah, like a, I feel like a kid on Christmas. I'm, I'm excited. Like I can't wait, you know, I've seen all sorts. I've seen people, they're like in the back room screaming, slapping themselves. There's there's the other guys sleeping and, you know, there's other people in the mirror in the bathroom like talking to themselves, hyping themselves up. Yeah, I've seen all sorts. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty calm. <laughs> oh, the concept of someone having a sleep 
before that. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. I see these uh, one guys. They were this is way before the UFC. I think I was amateur then. They just had I think they're Polish guys. They all had a KFC bargain bucket before the fight. They were just sat in the back room. They were just sharing a big KFC bucket. And I was like, what is going on, man? And like you know, you're nervous. Like all your your senses are like heightened. Your smell like. I was smelling the KFC. And I love KFC as well. And it just made me feel sick. I'm warming up. What is going on in this changing room? These guys had a KFC bargain bucket in the corner. Like, okay. He's about to fight in 10 minutes. <laughs> and so well, from them early days as well, when did these early amateur fights then start to kind of make you think, oh, hang on a minute, this could be a, a career? Like, or was it always yeah. something that you wanted to do? Or was there anything else that was, you know, on the career path? Did you have goals growing up that you wanted to be this, that? Or was it always, I'm going to be a fighter? Yeah, to be honest, like, not even to be cliche, it was always this. Like this, I got <laughs> So I got kicked out of school when I was uh, uh, 15. I think it was our last year. And uh, my dad was, so I was training at that time anyway. I was boxing. My dad's like, well... You're not staying at home all day. Like, whatever you do, I'll support you, but you have to work hard. So I was like, okay, well, I enjoy fighting, so I'm going to I'm gonna put everything into that basket and uh, I'm going to go for it. So, yeah. Were you kicked out of school for fighting? Was it... Like- no, just being uh, annoying, really. I think I was just... <laughs> just annoying. being annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was annoying for my whole school's career. I didn't get <laughs> out, though. I was, yeah. I was lucky. I just feel they didn't like me. So, yeah, well... It's what it is. Yeah, I didn't do anything bad. I was just like consistently annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and so, yeah, I was like, all right, okay, well, I'm going to go for this then. <laughs> and so, when did you know it, it become a, a you know go more from a a, a a potential idea to to then finding yourself in in like it was Cage Warriors you fought in, wasn't it? Like, was yeah. that when? You know, for want of a better description, shit started to get real, and you thought, right, this is this is time to to really focus now. This is where you know I've, I've got a real chance to do something within this industry. Yeah. yeah so I kind of like, well, I, not kind of. I did. I gave myself like a timeline, like a gap, like a. I went professional uh, eighteen. It was like, yeah, I was turned eighteen. So I was like, right, I want to be in the UFC at twenty one because I was working jobs. I was uh, making no money. All this like. Everything I had was going on training. And I was like, I want to be in the UFC and actually making some money by 21. If not, I have to sort of get a bit of a job and this has to become more of a hobby. And uh, fortunately for me, I signed with the UFC when I was 21. So it worked out. Yeah. Perfect. Mm. Um, yeah. And you, I mean, you're on a seven-fight win streak in the UFC. And the featherweight division is is a really great division. I mean, like, there's loads of great divisions in the UFC, but the yeah. featherweight division is one of their kind of premier divisions, I would say. How How much does it bother you when you're I mean you're on a seven fight win streak but there's been portions of your career over the last few years where you've been inactive and a lot of it like not necessarily down to I mean obviously sometimes it's it might be an injury sometimes yeah. it's an injury to an opponent like how 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 difficult is it when you're desperate to fight and prove yourself and do it and and the phone's not ringing or you can't fight because of an injury or, or something like that how, how do you get through those moments it's it's very frustrating to be honest but like before the UFC I was always one of the guys I wanted to be active I wanted to be fighting I'm always in the gym even if I'm fighting once a year I'm training every day so it's like I'm not one of the guys that's uh, some there's a lot of people they'll 
they'll only train hard when there's a fight booked. It's really weird. Like they take a fight to get into shape. It's, it's strange. Like they don't want to improve. They just sort of like, oh, all right, well, the fight's booked. I'll train now. So I'm not one of those people. I'm always in the gym. Like every day I'm in the gym training. So it's so frustrating. But the one thing it's kind of been a blessing in a way, because when I, when I signed when I was 21, I was maybe like, not ready for the level sort of that I'm at. So it was kind of like forced me to get better in time and like mm-hmm. took those breaks and I improved. Like I was forced to improve, you know, and uh, I sort of caught up to the level where I want to be. And now, now I feel I'm at that level where I can fight these guys and get active and I'm ready to go. And I mean, you're speaking of like improving, you made the move to, to TriStar uh, yeah. a while back as well. What, what, prompted that what made you go that's really because i mean there's some absolute legend i mean you got for us a hobby is obviously he's the head coach there right i think yeah, yeah. and then also you know he's brought along people like gsp rory mm. mcdonald and uh what one of my favorite fighters uh does ryan hall train out there sometimes as well yeah yeah i love ryan hall he's someone that yeah. never fight i want to see him fight all the time and he never fights yeah. but like so you've got like guys that are legends there. You've also got people that are huge specialists in certain fields. Like obviously Ryan Hall, particularly with like the jujitsu and stuff like that. What what was it that prompted that move, and and how do you feel you've come on since making that move? Uh, yeah. So like the main thing. <laughs> so like I said before, like training and sort of living everything going on the training. So as soon as I won my UFC debut, like I always wanted to go. So like one of the big gyms, you know, like one of the sort of hallmark gyms around. Yeah. First sort of place, I knew a couple of guys. It was Joe Duffy and uh, Tom Breeds were out here. I was like, oh, well, I know a couple of guys there. So I'll go see, sort of see what it's like, do a month there and maybe try another gym after. This is the, it was the first place I came to. And I just sort of, I just really liked it, to be honest. Yeah. Like all the training was good. The coaching was good. All the teammates, the way they trained, everything was great. So I never really... I never went anywhere else. And I mean, just, I mean, some of the names that you've just, you know, mentioned, some of the names that Blake mentioned, and mm. like, we, we, we touched on Brad Pickett, you know, feeling with, you know, that, that, that feeling of imposter syndrome sometimes. Do you ever get mm. that when you walk into this, this legendary gym and, you know, there's all of these iconic fighters there and, you know, do you ever think, shit, like, I'm, I'm here. Like, I'm not yeah. for a moment saying you haven't warranted that, but do you ever get them kind of like strange feelings of like, wow, this is, this is crackers? Yeah. Uh, not, not anymore, but like when I first came here, definitely. Like, uh, I remember sp- the first time I was sparring with GSP, uh, I was just, like, just throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think this is before it was a bit before he was making his comeback to fight Bisbin, so he wasn't really training, but he was kind of like pondering whether he was going to come back. Like, oh, you do some rounds with like some lighter guys. So for us, like, uh, George, go with Arnold. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then uh, I just remember, I was like punching like inches short of his face. I was like, I can't punch Cheers. I'm not allowed to hit Cheers. <laughs> like, who am I? I'm not, I'm not allowed to try and punch him. And uh, yeah, so I was like shadow boxing in front of him, like, trying not to hit him. Like, he's one of the best ever. Like, I can't touch this guy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, uh, but then he cracked me with a right hand and I was like, oh, oh, I have to, I have to do something here. <laughs> but yeah, he's, yeah, he's great. He's great. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, and so, what, what, one of the other things that, that we've, we've 
we we like to talk to fighters about is 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 weight cutting and oh. and is, is that something that I'm, I'm sure it's not particularly easy for any fighter, but is is that something that you've you've got better at, or have you always been you know pretty on point with your weight cuts? Like, how has it worked for you? Yeah, uh, yeah. So like like I said, I've been fighting professionally since I was 18, and when I was 18, I made my debut. I fought at 135, so I fought at bantamweight, and that was that was pretty tough even then. Like, I was a bit smaller then than I am now. But every, every other fight has been at 145. And it's kind of like, in a weird way, like I've got bigger, but it's got easier because I've got more more discipline than when I was 19, 20. And uh, yeah, I used to be like fight week. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm a bit of this, a bit of Chinese. Oh, yeah, I could eat that. And then I'd turn up and just jump in the sauna and expect it all to fall off. But uh, no, I'm definitely, I, I cheat every weekend. Every Saturday, I'll eat whatever I want. You know, I'll, I'll do my sparring and then get the pizzas in but uh yeah it's just like not stressing about it helps you know like if yeah. i'm if i'm stressing about it worried about it weighing everything i eat it, it doesn't help like it just the weight doesn't come off but if you relax a little bit and ease up it seems to come off you seem to be a very relaxed kind of personality full stop is, is that something <laughs> do you i mean how do you when that first buzzer goes for that first round mm. Is the adrenaline and the nerves just in override, or is that something that you've also got quite a hold on? Like, do you bring that kind of calmness, you know, into the fight? Yeah, definitely. There's like the way I see it, it's a sport, isn't it? Like, uh, like football, you know. Like, as soon as the the whistle goes, like, I'm trying to score goals. You know, I'm trying to get the ball and make the passes. So, it is that. Like, I'm not thinking. Like, I'm not. The adrenaline's not going over my head, and I'm not like flustered with red. You know, all this. <laughs> Just uh, I'm thinking, score the points, land the shots, avoid, you know, move, thinking technique. And with the adrenaline, it just makes everything react faster. You punch harder, you know, like everything happens better. And like, I wanted to talk to you about the, the ranking system because mm-hmm. you're, as I said, you, you're, on, you're on a seven-fight win streak. And I mean... In some ways, this is a compliment, but it's also like a lot of people might see it as not a negative. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, I look at Leon Edwards and I think yeah. you're on like a nine fight win streak. But he's in that category that I think you've even mentioned yourself in previous interviews of being kind of um, a high risk fight for people in front of you in the rankings. But yeah. you don't quite yet have that huge name value that some people have for, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so you look at the rankings and you go, well, I'm on a seven-fight win streak here. Why, why aren't I, I further up the rank? Or, or do you not pay attention to the rankings? Like how, and also, you're fighting a guy like Sadiq Youssef on April 10th, who's I think he's only one place below you at the moment. Yeah. But you're fighting a guy below you in the rankings. So do you then have this thing with like either Mick Maynard or Sean Shelby or, or, or even Dana where you're like, yeah, I'll take the guy below me, but I'm on a seven-fight win streak. So after that, I should be getting someone in the top five. Or, or do, you, do you ever have those discussions, or is it just uh, line them up and I'll I'll do what I'm told type thing? Yeah, yeah. Like obviously, I was supposed to fight. Well, last year I was supposed to fight uh, Josh Emmett, who was ranked. I think he was ranked eighth. Eighth. Yeah. I think. Then I was supposed to fight Jeremy Stevens at the time, uh, November, and he was ranked ninth. And then uh, yeah, so like those are the sort of fights you want in, in my position, you know. Like yeah. but for them, it's high risk, and uh, 
it's making up like make or break for them, is it? Like if the young prospect coming through beats you, it's like where do you go from there? But uh, no, no, like the conversation isn't had. Obviously, we sort of put out there that's what we want. You know, you've put us ranked number ten. Like, you know, surely we we want something top ten. You know, like we want to advance. Yeah. But uh, the way I look at it with the Sadiq fight, like he's a uh, he's highly touted. He's a hot prospect. You know, yeah. It's, it's a more difficult challenge than the guys in the top 10, I think, like a lot of the guys. And uh, I think a win over someone like this will do more for my career than uh, a Jeremy Stevens, for example. You know, he's a bigger yeah. name, but he's, uh, you know, how it happened when I beat um, Melendez, I beat Gilbert Melendez. It yeah. wasn't like in the rankings, but everyone's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, Gilbert Melendez has uh, had his best day. He's sort of mm-hmm. passed it now, which I think with a win over someone like Stevens, it would be, probably the same thing you know like I beat someone yeah. like him and they say oh well that's not the best Stevens and yeah he's yeah. on the way down and all yeah that kind exactly of stuff so there's like the fights actually outside of the rankings the young guys like myself like coming up and trying to get to that position are tougher than the guys established in the rankings yeah. not all of them obviously but uh yeah there's a lot of guys in that in that top 10 top 15 that are like they've had their heyday they're sort of you know on their on their cliff edge now and they're they're going down, so yeah, they're easier fights than the guys behind. So, so is it fair to say that you see it as like it's about making a statement, and to the people that know what they're talking about, yeah, beating the, the someone that may be ranked below you but is seen as a really big prospect, that's more of a statement than beating yeah. someone maybe ranked six or seventh who maybe has lost one or two recently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I think. Anyway. Because yeah, even weirdly, uh, so when they announced the fight, I, I, I sometimes read the comments and whatnot, and some people were sending me messages like, uh, oh, it's a shame, like, you deserve the top 10 and, like, you deserve the top whatever. I'm like, this this guy's a tougher test than, than those guys, you know? Like, this yeah. is this is my top 10, you know? Like, this is the guy that's going to put me there. Like, with a win, this proves like, I deserve to be like, ahead of those big boys with, with a win over this guy, so... Yeah, this this is a better challenge, a bigger challenge, and a a better reward. I feel. Does it does it ever frustrate you then when you see like that there are people for whatever reason, whether it be you know like a Conor McGregor previously or like a Sean O'Malley recently, that that the company seems to get behind them. They have something that make people really push them, and then you yeah. see people like like yourself or Leon Edwards, who mm. you know are just taking everyone out that's put in front of them. Yeah. But it seems like there's just certain people where like you're going to have to go on like a a ten fight streak yeah. before they give yeah. you any kind of title opportunity or a number one contender fight or something. Like that. Is that really frustrating to see, or is it just part of the game? Yeah, I, I just think it's part of the game, and it's some people are just marketable. And uh, yeah. at the end of the day, it is entertainment. And if it wasn't for that, like we wouldn't have this whole industry where people like me are sort of making a living fighting people. You know. Yeah. Like uh, it, it is entertainment, and and then people people want to watch them, and people enjoy them for whatever reason, you know. Like they're funny characters. I I get it. It's uh, it's like wrestling, but we really fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so it's that kind of you know trash talking, and you know going on socials and calling fighters out. Is that just never been something that 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 you're about? Yeah, I've just I'm not good at it to be honest. <laughs> I, I don't know make myself look at it. <laughs> I would if I was good at it, but yeah, I, I don't know. Just getting buoyed off, right? <laughs> I just have to shut up. Yeah, and just but you have got such a market. I, I, I mean, I've 
I remember hearing you interviewed uh, back on the MMA hour days with, with Ariel, and I think you know you were talking about maybe like having like you you'd only had like fifteen quid in the bank, but then you also yeah. like having jokes about your dad and with your dad yeah. and and all that. And I was like, I immediately, I, to be honest, it was like a twenty minute interview, and I immediately went, I really like this guy. I, <laughs> I, I really want to watch him fight. He seems like a nice, fun bloke. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah, but I don't. It is. It's, it's some people. I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't know what it is. They, it, it's be, being a nice, good guy just isn't enough for everyone, is it? No. For me, I, I love that. I just that's just what I want to see. Yeah, my favorite. I've seen some comments where people say, uh, "Arnold was a great fighter," but I don't know what it is. I just really don't like him. <laughs> I can't see them comments. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> oh. nothing unlikable about you, though. I just don't get it. It's like, what, I was like, what, he's what, such what, a nice bloke. What did someone say? Um, Arnold Allen seems really cool. But his relationship with his dad is weird. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> cheers! Oh, thanks for that. Oh, nice one. They're probably oh, yeah. the same people that go, "Oh, I love Wonder Boy's relationship with his dad." Yeah, like exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I used to see stuff like that, and I'd be like, "What? What's this guy's problem?" And now I'm like, yeah. oh, "That's funny." To be fair, like, where's he get this from? But yeah, yeah. Do you ever do you ever sort of get involved in back and forth with people on social media when like uh, you know people are trolling you and, and talking shit? Yeah, not really. Like sometimes people say something, I I usually I just reply with something like thank you. You know, someone will call me <laughs> this way. Yeah. Kill him with kindness, mate. Kill him with kindness. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um so back to the the Sadiq Yusuf fight, one of the other things I noticed was that I think both he and you, your last fights were January of 2020, maybe, I yeah. think. But both both of you fought then. Now, you've had other periods in your career where you've been inactive for a year or, or something yeah. like that. I, from when I looked at his record, he hasn't really had that. Would, mm. is, is there any way that that could play any kind of part in the fight, the fact that he's not used to being out for so long? Or do you just think the whole ring rust thing is nonsense? Like, what, what, what's your theories on, on the ring rust thing, but also on yeah. how it can affect him and yourself during the fight? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess if you, your whole career you've been active and, like, that's what you know, you know, like, then, yeah, for sure it can affect you. But, like, uh, I've had ups and downs and injuries and had to yeah. time out whatever and got used to it. But again, like I said earlier, like uh, all year, regardless what's happening, I've I've been in the gym sparring with one hand because I've, I've fractured this hand. So I'm like, all right, um, but I'm gonna come in the gym and work on my jab. I'm gonna I'm gonna spar yeah. the big boys, but I'm not gonna throw backhands. So I'm always in the gym, always trying to improve, and, and I think that's where the ring rust comes from. Not the uh, not the fight, you know, not the not fighting. Is it like um? Was it McGregor said the inactivity was his his flaw with uh, the Poirier fight? Mm. I don't think it was the inactivity in his competition schedule. I think it was his training schedule. I yeah. think he's he's obviously a millionaire and he's living the high life and whatnot. So if there's no fight on the horizon, he's probably not grafting away in the gym. He's you know doing so, what millionaires do and being so, on a yacht and stuff. So do you yeah. take that back to what you said earlier about? You know, even if you've only got one fight that year, you're training every day, not just like, right, I've got a fight, I've got six weeks, now I'm going to start training. You, you know, yeah, do you exactly. think it's that that kind of inactivity that can cause the rust? Yeah, that's. I think that's the inactivity that causes the ring rust, you know, like the being away from the lifestyle, getting comfortable, you know, you're, you're out, you're not training, you know, you're not on a schedule. But obviously, there's the other one where you could be sort of overtraining all year round and then causing injuries and whatnot, but... 
yeah, I, you know, I think the six weeks or the the short intense training will do more damage than like training all year round and sort of keeping your body ready, you know. Okay. Um, and and, and speaking of, of of injuries and stuff, we've um in, in in recent events, we've seen some sort of illegal knees that have that have caused some issues and some eye pokes and stuff, and yeah. and. We asked um, Paddy Pimlet this uh, the other day, and it's just, I just wonder when, because obviously um, Khabib said he heard the corner saying, throw the knee, uh, and and I just wondered, like, in the furore of a big UFC event, let's say pre-COVID, uh, yeah. and and they're saying that they heard his corner say that. Can you, have you got voices you can pick at in a, an arena that's going crackers? And like, obviously you've got your corner. Can you hear what they're saying? And are you, when you're fighting, are you listening to your corner or are you caught up in what's exactly in front of you? Are you listening yeah. to your own thoughts? Like, I'm just trying to get a kind of fighter's yeah. kind of perspective of that moment. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like for me, I don't know how it is for everyone else, but I, I feel like it's tunnel vision. You know, it's like, it's as if your coaches have got like an earpiece, you know. I'm, I'm just focused on the opponent. I'm doing things. I'm acting on on, on uh, instinct, you know. Everything's reacting, and then I can hear like little things chiming in, you know, as if it's like a I can hear screaming and all this and that. But then I hear like Faraz, he'll give instruction like, "Oh, do this or don't do that," you know. And it, it just comes through perfect. I think you just get used to that familiar voice, obviously through uh, sparring and everything we're at the gym and you know i'm sparring and he'll give me a little advice and yeah you, you just sort of get used to that voice and you pick it out from the crowd is it easy to listen to that in the corner as well between rounds we had thomas turgu so i don't know if you know from this is england uh, mm-hmm. uh the yeah. other week on the show and he was i think he made a joke of like if i sat down after a round i'd be like stop fucking talking to me i don't I, I'm, I'm knackered like yeah. what how, how, how i mean yeah. obviously you guys are not thomas turkish you're elite yeah. athletes uh sorry yeah. tomo but um yeah. you know how much when they're talking to you between rounds can you shut off your own kind of like inner monologue or thoughts and really take in what faraz or other people are saying yeah uh well it, yeah like i really can just switch off and sort of listen and, and take in the advice from my corner and you know, my, my corner is uh, they're really good at understanding what each fighter needs. Some guys, they're going to come back after a bad round and they need to be, you know, yelled at, like, let's go, come on, like, you're losing. And for me, I, that, doesn't, I know, that doesn't do anything. So they just talk to me and they tell me honestly what I need. And, uh, you know, I've come back and I've, I've lost rounds. And they're like, yeah, I think we lost that round. You know, you need to come back and uh, make these adjustments. And I like that. It works for me. But then sometimes if people are screaming and ah, I'm just like, ah, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's easier when they just sort of relax and sort of yeah. tell you what's going on, tell you what you need to do. It's easy to take in the advice like that. Um, um, one of the other things that uh, has presented itself both times that we've, we've, we've spoke to um, fighters is when we were talking about knees and things like that is both fighters that we spoke to were quite happy for there to be uh, soccer kicks uh, and, and, and things like that, that. Some of the things that are not obviously allowed in in, in the UFC. What's your thoughts on on, on things like that? Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think no, I think no, no soccer kicks for me. But like, just because you want it to be a sport, you want it to be as big as possible, and like, it just doesn't it's not going to appeal to people, you know what I mean? Like it already, 
it's already such a niche when like for, for people outside of like the combat sport world. Absolutely. I mean, then you, you go to the, uh, you go to the bar and you see on the screen, there's some guy getting stoved in on the floor of uh, soccer kicks. <laughs> you know, that's, if you're someone that's kind of on the cusp of sort of liking the martial arts, I mean, yeah. that'll probably turn you off completely. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and in regards to, to, to you and, and this calmness that is just, is just coming through this screen. Um, has that, have you found that, you know, over the, the, the duration of your career from, you know, fighting amateur fights to then fighting onto bigger stages like, you know, Cage Warriors to now fighting on the, you know, the biggest platform there is. Like, yeah. do you ever get like, you know, overcome with like, holy shit, like, I'm, I'm walking out now. This is, this is the UFC. This is where, you know, I've trained my whole life to be. I'm here now. Listen to that mm. crowd. Like, ha, you know, is, is that something that ever kind of, you know, gets a bit too much and just think, shit. Yeah. Uh, no, no. It's uh, like I've always, always sort of like mentally planned ahead. I've like ripped down my goals and, you know, all the things I want to do. And I know the expectations and the things I want of myself. So like when for me, like a, a big moment, I fought in John Jones's uh, undercard when he fought uh, Santos, when he fought Tiago Santos. And that was uh, International Fight Week. It was like the biggest card of the year. It was my first in Vegas and like full crowd and all this. And uh, I was what I was thinking like, oh, what if I uh, have that sort of feeling? You know, obviously fighting Gilbert Melendez, he's a legend. And uh, no, I just sort of like walked down. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is what I work for. Like this is this is why I work hard. <laughs> this is it. That's it. You belong. You belong there. Though. You've done. You've put in all that work. As you say, you're yeah. on a great win streak. You you've definitely proven that you belong where where you are in that top yeah. ten of the of the featherweight division. You know? Yeah. To be fair, if uh, I didn't put in the hard work. And I was walking out in front of all those people. I'd probably be shitting it a little bit. <laughs> but what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. But you've also said that you've, you know, you, you you write your plan, Dan. You know, you know what 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 you know what you're gonna sort of put yourself into. Uh, how far ahead is that plan, and what is your plan looking ahead now, Arnold? Ah, yeah. uh, well, from the start, I've always wanted to be a world champion. You know, I've been a, big believer like what's the point of doing anything unless you're, you're going all in for it you know like there's there's no point half assing and sort of being uh satisfied with being number 10 so obviously everyone everyone gets into this sport and wants to be the best right so i've come too far to not keep pushing for that you know so that's that's the plan I can, I... and you're still such a young i mean you're, you're 27 now right yeah you're 27 you're training with GSP taking some right hands from a legend, <laughs> as you said earlier, and uh, you know you you still there's a lot of improve. You're still a few years off your fight in prime, really, as well. Yeah. I mean, and you're already in the top ten of featherweight division, so it just seems to me, looking it looking from the outside, that you know the future's so bright for you. You are one of the top prospects, not just British prospects, but I think top young prospects in the UFC, and it's just so exciting to to watch you fight and. The only downside is we, we want to see more of you. So I have yeah. fingers crossed, you know, we can get uh, less, uh, less obviously for yourself injuries, but also for the opponents. I mean, I know yeah. you mentioned Emmett and, uh, and Stevens. I think that was the injuries from then that, that unfortunately yeah. led to those fights not happening. So we, we want to see a lot more of you, mate. See, that's the plan as well. Get busy. I've got to get busy. Get busy. Yeah. And yeah. what, what do you think of the featherweight division at the moment? Because obviously we've had a bad luck recently with this Saturday, Volkanovski's caught COVID. Yeah. So the title fight is going to be delayed. I don't know till when, but it's probably going to be a, a couple of months, I'd imagine. 
Holloway seems like he's waiting in the wings for whoever wins that. I mean, it's very unusual for a fighter to have a trilogy when they're 2-0 down, but his performance against Cater was so good. Oh, yeah. you, can't, you, you can't deny him, can you? You can't deny him. So the title is taken up for a bit, and then you've got yeah. people like Zabit and Yair that are like, I think maybe like third and fourth. And Zabit's been very inactive yeah. recently. Yeah. Like, How long what, what, is Maybe two I years? I don't know. It feels like a long time because obviously he had Longer such than a... me, I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, and that's what I'm saying, you know, and there's such a buzz around Zabit. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what, 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 where do you see the, the featherweight division going in? And how do, do, do you have like a pathway of kind of like, right, well, after you beat Sadiq, you're looking to go to this person or, you know, that this is a good matchup for you or anything like that? Or, or do you yeah. just see, again, do you just think, it's none of your concern. You see, well, it seemed like such a chilled out guy. You seem like someone that's just going to be like, whatever they put in front of me, that's kind of what I'll do. That's, yeah, that's literally been my, my whole sort of thing. My whole career is like, whatever happens, you know, they give me this guy. If I have to wait, I have to wait. But again, I don't want to wait. So yeah, there's definitely a plan like with a win here, grinding with a win here. Uh, yeah, like, I want to go up and I want to fight one of these guys in the top 10, obviously. But yeah, I'm... Uh, I'll have to get the win first, but yeah, um, is the featherweight division is it's an interesting one, isn't it? There's a lot of guys yeah. in that top top fifteen, top ten. There's you you're proven guys that have sort of been there, like obviously Holloway's. There's no one more proven than him. And then you have uh, guys like Zavit. You know, he's in the top. So much hype around him, but like he still hasn't. Well, he beat. He's, he's got some good wins, but like he's still a lot of. There's still a lot of question marks around him. You know, there's still a lot of people. Is he in that elite, you know? Particularly Which, in like a five-round fight as well, because yeah. I think I've, I don't, I think if memory serves, I've not seen him do a five-round fight. And I think yeah, when no. he fought Cater, it felt like, and there was someone else as well he fought prior to that, where it got to that third round and he'd been winning really confidently. Yeah. But then the Cater fight felt like if that was a five-rounder, it was 2-1 going into the fourth. That's and it. who knows what would have happened there, you know, so... Yeah, it's an interesting division. It's uh, there's a lot of guys coming through, and there's, there's like the guys in the top sort of five are trying to hold their top five position and sort of yeah. only want to fight each other. And yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. And also, <clears throat> one of the things when you go into the you know, the octagon, <clears throat> just to sort of talk about the financial elements of, of of this sport as well, is them win bonuses and things like that and performance in the night and things like that are they ever in your head when that buzzer goes? Uh no, no. I'm I never thinking of the that stuff. Like when it goes, I'm I'm just thinking of the fight and uh, getting the win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a weird one, it's a weird system like win bonus. I think the idea with it was to uh make more exciting fights, I guess. They think people you know, if you're getting half your money to or that you get the extra half of your money to win, people are going to come and try and uh, try and win more. You know, they're going to fight crazier. But I think actually what it does is make people fight a little safer and a bit more secure, you know. But regardless of whatever happens, like as soon as the buzzer goes, you get paid one pound or one million pound, like you're going to fight. There's, there's a man in front of you trying to take your head off, you know. So, you, you know, you're going to fight the same. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Well, Arnold, thank you so much for your time today, man. Like, we really appreciate you know giving up time, you know, this this close to a scrap. Um, if listeners want to keep up to speed on what you're doing, where's the best place to follow you, Arnold? 
Uh, well, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Everything is uh, Arnold BFA. So it used to stand for Babyface Assassin, but now it's just yeah, that's not even my nickname. So it's just my my Instagram handle. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're tagging well, like in it. See- Go on, sorry, yeah, I, no, I wonder if you might want to be changing your nickname to Karina because it's been at the bottom left of the screen ever since you started. <laughs> I'm assuming that either that's like your girlfriend or your drag name. I'm not sure yeah. on that. I'm using my missus laptop. <laughs> I didn't realize I should put her name on it. <laughs> Oh, uh, Arnold, thank you so much, man, and best of luck. Thanks, man. Yeah, Appreciate all the best, it. mate. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Buddy, appreciate it. There you go. Oh, Arnold Allen, what an absolutely delightful human being. He was great, right? Oh, what a great guy. I really, just such a, so calm, mm. so chilled out. None of the bullshit either. As he said, like, he's not really into the trash talking and any of that stuff. But he just seems like a nice, genuine bloke. And I, I always gravitate towards fighters like that. I don't yeah. necessarily, I mean, it's all exciting. I get it, the Connor effect, all that stuff. But I quite like just seeing, like, a nice, chilled out bloke that could also yeah. rip your face off if he wanted to. I mean, that that was, that was, I thought it was amazing when he said, like, I, oh, yeah, I shadow boxed uh, GSP because I thought I can't hit him and then he cracked me with a right hand and I was like oh, okay now it's game on like, I yeah. thought that was brilliant I mean just the thought I mean I didn't want to kind of really like ask him loads more about that but you know I'd love to go like so, so who else is like, floating about in there and like you know how does yeah. it work and like you know how often do you spar these people and you know but then I guess when you're talking about somebody that's top 10 then there's people in that gym and they're all going to want to spar him. He's one of the heroes in yeah. there. Do you know what I mean? With Obviously, you, you think GSP and Rory and things like that, but Arnold Allen, man, he's, uh, yeah. he's right where he deserves to be. And, you know, big winning streak and, yeah, best of luck on the 10th. And, uh, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be back, I guess. Uh, what have we got next? Molly McCann. We've got Meatball. Yes, we've got Meatball coming on. So Meatball's coming on the show, the next, uh, next episode. Um... Uh, we've got uh, also there's no UFC 
on, uh, I think, this coming weekend. The weekend after is that big Till versus Vittori fight, which is at UK prime time. Yeah, Arnold mate. Allen against Sadiq Yusuf on that card as well. Um, but before that UFC card in two weeks' time, we there's a Bellator card. Mm. And, you know, it's very easy to get caught up in all things UFC because they are, you know, they're the... They're the Champions League of MMA, effectively, yeah. aren't they? But, you know, there's some great fighters over in Bellator. Uh, Petruccio put Pitbull versus Emmanuel Sanchez in the uh, Featherweight Grand Prix semi-final. I think AJ McKee's already in the final. I think mm-hmm. he is. Someone's going to message me about that, tell me I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, and then also on the card, you've got, you know, ex-UFC fighter Matt, Matt Mitrione. Uh, you've got Neiman Gracie as well. So you've got a few decent ones on that card. Uh, and then... The week after that, the day before the Till Vittori fight, is the start of the uh, l- the light heavyweight yeah. Grand Prix in Bellator, and I'm really excited about that. There's some absolutely fantastic uh, guys in that in that light heavyweight Grand Prix, ex UFC fighters, current heavyweight Bellator champion uh, uh, Nadim. Uh, uh, Nadim Venkov. I want to say Nadim Venkov. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to see Rumble back. What's happening? I want to see the Rumble. Uh, oh, Rumble, Rumble, uh, Romero. That's going to be uh, an amazing fight. Uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be some absolute crackers on that uh, Grand Prix. I think it's going to be a Machida as well, who's just a yeah. yeah, legend. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be great. Corey Anderson, I think, could have a good shot as well. Yeah, that, that's Ryan Bader. That, 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 we can just name everyone on that list. Um, Absolutely. But, Absolutely. yeah, so there's going to be some great... So we've got this week, Bellator. The next week, start of the Bellator Light Heavyweight Grand Prix. The next day is the uh, Till Vittori fight at UK primetime. There's a lot to go on, and we'll be talking to Molly McCann as well, which will be really exciting. And Absolutely. Great. Little little heads up as well. We've confirmed we have got Nathaniel Wood as well coming on, so can't wait to have a chat to... To, uh, to Nathaniel so we've got that one coming your way so the best thing to do to not miss any of these chats is subscribe so head over to wherever you get your pla- uh, whatever platform you get your podcast on and subscribe and if you see us we're on all the, the social media platforms as well Facebook, Twitter Instagram give us a like love, share retweet all the gubbies you know the score and uh, and, and send us a message if there's things that you, you think we're missing that we should be talking about on here drop us drop us a line on the, uh, on the socials I, th- I guess Instagram probably the best one to, to to talk to us on but yeah drop us a line let us know what you think of the podcast as well we'll be back next time right see you later guys bye bye